You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Well, isn't, it, isn't it lovely to love one another? Yeah, within reason, within you know, normal, respectable boundaries and that kind of stuff. We're going to have a look at God's word this morning. The title of this morning's message is The Same Man. And the reason I use man, you can put woman, you can put whatever in there. I use man because that's the term that's used. I'm going to refer, refer to it in a few minutes. Do you know something? We're all in a state of change. Would you agree with me on that? Yeah. We're not the same person we once were. I was quoting recently, I was chatting with my wife and I was chatting with my sons. We were talking, I was saying, there's three things in life that change you. Three things will change you. One is just life. Life will beat the living daylights out of you if you don't play ball with it. That's what will happen. Life will change you. Love will change you. Because I've seen love change people. It's not just love for another person. Your love of Liverpool Football Club could change you. It really could. Your love for money will change you. Yeah, oh, sorry, Michael. That's a boom. Up goes the mine already. Love of things, love will change in the last, of course, but probably the most important is the Lord. The Lord will change you. And being around the Lord changes you, has an effect. I was thinking about, uh, about how love changes you. I remember when I was going out with my wife, Elma, uh, years ago, back in those days, I know you don't believe it, but I had shoulder-length red hair. I mean, shoulder-red, foxy hair. I had a beard. I had two earrings. I thought I was beautiful. <laughs> Thankfully, so did my wife, Elma. Does anybody here remember me looking like that? I'd say no one remembers me. It was a long time ago. Oh, Sheila O'Dwyer recognized. Dennis Fitzgibbon remembers me looking like that. Yes. Anyway, I was like that. When we got married, before we got married, we were out for a walk one night, and I said, Elma, I've got to tell you something. I said, look, I'm a free spirit. She said, she kind of quietly went, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, I'm a free spirit. I will, I've got to tell you, I will never be buying a house because I never want to have the debt of mortgage in my life. I will always be free to go wherever I want to go. Are we agreed on that? And she said, I'll take you as you are. What a lovely woman. She was. Yeah, that's what she said. So we got married and I was happy to be a free spirit. And we moved into an apartment, a.k.a. a flat in Bishopstown. And some students were living upstairs. And those students suffered from insomnia. Insomnia. They never slept, never stopped talking, never stopped dancing, never stopped fighting in the middle of the night. About 20 minutes after I got married, they said, we're buying a house. (laughs) 50 years of mortgage I'll pay to get out of this. Life and love and the Lord change you. As, as you go through life. I want to look this morning at people whose lives were changed in the hope that we would get hope to see change in our own lives because it changes us. We get changed. I want to look this morning at Acts chapter 7 is where I'm drawing one specific scripture from, but I'm looking at some other chapters in the, the book of the Acts of the Apostles. I'm going to try and do this if I can in 25 minutes so nobody falls asleep, okay? So I'm going to do, going to do best. Derek already has a bet against me that I won't be able to do it, and I probably won't, but I'll give it a shot. But let's have a quick look. I'm going to be looking at the book of the Acts of the Apostles last week. Tom was talking with the Acts of the Apostles last week. He was looking at Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit fell upon the 120 in the upper room and what flowed from that in Acts. Acts chapter 2. 
But just to take a step back for a second, because when we talk about Acts, now some of, many of us already know everything we need to know about the book of Acts, but just for some simple headings on what we're talking about when we talk about the book of the Acts of the Apostles. Here we go. It was written, it was, sorry, it was written by a guy called Luke. The Gospel of Luke, as you know, as you read in your Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke is the guy who wrote the, the, the book of Acts. He was the author. That was, he was the guy who wrote it. It's been from tradition, even though his name doesn't appear in the book, nor does his name appear in the gospel he is taken to be the author from the earliest times it was written somewhere around the year 64 AD so there thereabouts about 30 years after the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus that's when he wrote this book and the reason we know that he wrote it around then is that the story ends with the apostle Paul preaching the gospel in Rome and he was still alive because he died shortly afterwards. In actual fact, he was killed. He was executed under Nero shortly afterwards. So we know that that's when the book was written. So the location he wrote it from is probably Rome or certainly on the journey to Rome because in Acts chapter 16, the language in the book of Acts goes from they to we. It starts at we when they head to a place called Troas. Suddenly, the word we shows up, which means that the author, of the, the author of this book has been now included in the party that we're traveling. Are you with me so far? Are you bored yet? You will be by the time I'm finished. What was the purpose? It was the sequel to his gospel. It was like Luke 2, the sequel, only this time it's revenge. It was the, the purpose of it was when you wrote books back in those days, they were written on scrolls. And a scroll, the Gospel of Luke, would fill one scroll. So it's likely that having written his gospel, he continued the story on a second scroll, which is approximately the same length on a scroll as the Gospel of Luke itself. So he writes it as a sequel to the gospel. It's very important that we remember that it's a sequel to the gospel. The people he was writing to were people like us, non Jewish Christians. I'd be very surprised if there's anyone here from a pure Jewish background. You might be 132nd Jewish or 164th or 132th uh, or whatever it is, a 128th um, a Jew. But in the main, it was written to people like us. And the purpose of the book was to talk about how the gospel was spreading just as Jesus said that it would. The reason I'm putting up this context is because I will not only be speaking about the Acts today, I'm going to be speaking about it next week and probably the next time I'm speaking after that as well. But I just want to put that up as the context. It's important that we know what is written. No, here is what Luke wrote at the very start of the book. He was writing to a guy called Theophilus. And Theophilus was his patron. He was the guy basically who was sponsoring the travels of Luke. And this is the guy that he's writing the book for. And there's something to be paid attention to in the very first verse of this passage. Because some people think, here we go. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. The thing to observe here is this was, he was saying that in his gospel, he was talking about everything that Jesus began to do. He had only started his work. The end of the gospel is not the end of the story. The story continues on. But you know that. Just like when you become a Christian, it's only the start of the story. Though you have accepted the major part of the story, it's only the start of your story. The story is only getting going. If you will, the end of the gospel is only the end of the beginning, not the beginning of the end, if you're with me. You're with me so far? So if you look at the story of the book, let me see if I can make some sense of this. 
When you look at the story of the book of Acts, one of the key themes that runs all the way through it is the way that people were incredibly changed. Now, Tom was talking last week from Acts chapter 2 about the coming of the Holy Spirit and the change in the effect or the experience of the Holy Spirit that these men and women in the upper room on that day and in the early church had. And I want to look at some other changes that happened. From the experience came changes. I'm going to use four fast examples. Bear with me as we go along. Four fast examples. I'm going to start off with the story of Peter and John. Remember, they were... There in the upper room, one of the, one, one of the 120, one of the 12. And what happened to them was that they were transformed. They were changed people. They were no longer the same person. They weren't the same man. Here's what it records. These guys had healed a man who was crippled. And they were dragged before the Sanhedrin. And they were said, what are you guys doing? They said, we're preaching in the name of Jesus. Jesus has risen from the dead. They told them about what Jesus had done. And the Sanhedrin couldn't be but taken by these guys. Here's what it records. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, ordinary people, like us, brothers and sisters. Would anyone say amen? And they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. It was the being with Jesus and th that changed them. And suddenly they were courageous people. Remember, Peter had denied Jesus. He was a coward. He went from, from cowardice to courageousness in an overnight experience of the coming of the Holy Spirit. It goes on to say this. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there with them, there was nothing they could say. There was nothing that they could say because the evidence of what had happened and the evidence of what these men were talking about was standing right there in front of them. Let's look at Stephen, Acts chapter 6. We look at the, 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 the gospel of Acts chapter 6. Stephen was one of the seven guys. He was chosen to serve tables in the church, but something else was going on for Stephen. Stephen also experienced the Holy Spirit. Here's what it says about Stephen. It says, Stephen was a man full of God's grace and power and did amazing miracles and signs among the people. So he was picked to serve tables, but the Holy Spirit was so upon him that he was also doing miracles. Would you like a miracle with your dinner? Would you, like a would, you like so would you like me to lay hands on you as we serve you dinner today? That's what the guy was doing. He was serving in the church. And at the same time, the Holy Spirit was moving upon him mightily. It goes on to say this. None of the people, he got into an argument with some guys about the gospel. It says none of them could stand up against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. Now here's what I want to say to you. I'm going to just unveil this a little bit as we go along. Do you need grace do you need power? Do you need to experience amazing miracles? Would you like to have wisdom? All of these things are the products of experiencing the Spirit in you. They don't follow the sky. They don't happen naturally. They happen as a result of the coming of the Holy Spirit in you. At this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face was as bright as an angel's face. What a strange and mysterious turn of face. When they looked at Stephen, they didn't flick onto his Instagram account and see his filtered version of his face and say, oh, he's really shiny. It says his face was like the face of an angel. Wouldn't it be wonderful when you go into work that people say, do you know, there's something about that guy, he's got the face of an angel. And I don't mean the face, 
hang on a second. I don't mean the face. Like, I'm suddenly, I woke up this morning. Last night I went to sleep ugly and I woke up beautiful this morning. That's not what I mean. The face of an angel was the face of somebody who shone with the presence of God. Who shone with the power of the message that was in them. He had the face of an angel. Wouldn't it be wonderful if it said, you know, I went into Grace Church and all the people there, my goodness, their faces were as bright as an angel's faces. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to be said? Uh, I wouldn't like that at all. I prefer having a long face in me. Would you like some good news? No, you're grand. I have enough news of my own. <laughs> Another one. Moses is quoted. The story of Moses is quoted by Stephen. Stephen's dragged before the Sanhedrin. And he's brought up before the Sanhedrin. And he has to give an account for himself. And he does something brilliant. If you're reading the New Testament, especially if you're reading the book of Acts, there's a number of presses of the Old Testament in the New Testament. Probably enough for you to, to carry it if you're not very familiar with the Old Testament. If you read the New Testament, you'll get quite a lot of the Old Testament are the key points of it. And he's beginning to tell the story. So suddenly, this guy who's serving tables is orating in front of the Sanhedrin. 70 men who really don't like him and, don't, and they don't want to listen to what he has to say. So he begins to preach them. And he tells the story of Moses and this is where this is where it picked up for me when I read this the Holy Spirit brought this piece to life to me, he's telling the story of Moses. Moses decides that he, he feels it, that the children of Israel need to be freed from Egypt. And one day he goes out and he kills an Egyptian soldier or an Egyptian slave master. And then people say to him, get out of here. We don't want you. You're causing trouble for us. Are you going to kill us too? And so Moses, in his attempt to do what he thought God was calling him to do, this makes a disaster and he runs into the wilderness. But then this is what Stephen says. He says, so God sent back the same man his people had previously rejected when they demanded, who made you judge and ruler over us? He sent back the same man, the same guy. He didn't send back a different guy. He didn't go, so, okay, forget about it, Moses. You're canceled. Like, you have failed in the task. I need to send someone. No, he sent the same man. And Moses was the same man, but he wasn't the same man. He was the same man physically, yes, in his experience, yes, he was the same, but he was different because he encountered the presence of God and the presence of God was going with him. And that's the difference between you going into work as the same man or you going to work as the new man, the person who has met God. I'm using work as an example, are you with me? Do you know, this morning I know because I feel the Lord has spoken to me, I know the Lord has spoken to me, that there are people here that you need to face into a situation that you've already faced, only this time you need to go in with the presence and the power of God resting upon you. You need to know the Holy Spirit at work in you. You may need to face a situation, a struggle, a problem, a boss, a situation in your home, a relationship issue that needs to be dealt with, that you failed at before, but no, the Lord wants you to go back, but go back with his presence and his power resting upon you you will be the same man but you won't be the same man or woman you know when I say man you can see why I'm using the term man so just bear with it if you're a woman here this morning all the men want to include you will you say amen oh, Michael you said the wrong thing there moving on God sent back the same man his people had previously rejected when they demanded who made you judge and ruler over us and through the angel that appeared to him in the burning bush God sent Moses to be the ruler 
and their savior. It was the encounter with God. It was the encounter with the presence of God. It was the encounter with the voice of God that changed Moses from a failure to a, to a winner. From somebody who lost to somebody who won. From somebody who was defeated to someone who was victorious. He was the same man. The story continues on. I'm going to finish up. This is the last character I'm going to pick on. Poor old Saul. Now, if you're looking at this, you're probably looking going, isn't that your man who plays uh, Wolverine? Isn't that, uh, what's his name? What's the actor? Hugh Jackman. You know, when you go home today and Swiss says, what was the message about? I said, I don't know, some Wolverine became a Christian or something. <laughs> he had big knives. I can't remember what it was. Hugh Jackman played the character of Paul in a movie a few years ago, and I just thought he looked so rough. And I thought, yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll do for my Paul. So then Paul, or a guy called Saul, he's still called Saul, in Acts chapter 9. In Acts chapter 9, he's called Saul. And as you know from this story in the book of Acts, he encounters Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, and he is changed. He's so changed that within a few days, he ends up going out and preaching the gospel after, the Holy, after he's been filled with the Holy Spirit. Ananias came and laid hands on him and said, Brother Saul, receive the Holy Spirit. And he goes out and he begins to preach the gospel. And when people saw him, he was a guy who persecuted the church. He stood by while Stephen was executed, while Stephen was killed for his faith. He stood there and watched all this. This is what they said about him. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation amongst Jesus' followers in Jerusalem? And they asked, didn't he come here to arrest people and take them in chains the leading priests who is this guy is this really the same guy i mean he was killing us last week and now he's telling us how great jesus is isn't he this how did that happen an encounter with the presence of jesus and the filling of the holy spirit are you with me that's what happened to him it goes on to say this saul's preaching became more and more powerful and the jews in damascus couldn't refute his proofs that jesus was indeed the messiah and this is where I want to pull the idea together. This is where I pull my idea together. Because when we go back to the Acts of the Apostles, I want you to look at what Jesus said, and then we're going to draw a short conclusion from it. Here's what Jesus said, just a couple of verses after the, the first verse that I read a minute ago. Here's, the, here's Jesus. And he says, When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. Would anyone say amen? amen. That is the experience of the Holy Spirit. It's the experience, the power coming upon you. He goes on to say, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and every part of the world. So the first is you will receive power, and the second is you will be my witnesses. So the, you will receive power was the experience of the Holy Spirit. But the you will be my witnesses was the purpose of the Holy Spirit. That's what they were being married to. The purpose of the Holy Spirit. And when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, it is not so that we can just have an experience, but it's so that we can carry out the purpose of the Holy Spirit, which is to be witnesses for Jesus in every place that we go. Amen. Do you want to be a witness for Jesus in every place you go? I do. I do. Doesn't, I don't do it great all the time, but I do. I want to be a witness. And by the way, it goes on. It says in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. So if you read, if you read the book of Acts, in Jerusalem and Judea kind of lasts up until, up until about chapter 6. And then from chapter 6 to, to, to 8, you're kind of looking at the area of Samaria, beyond, beyond Jerusalem and Judea. And then from chapter 13 onwards, it's to the ends of the earth. But the whole point was, remember we were talking at the start about breathing in and breathing out. Are you with me? Yeah? So breathing in is the experience, breathing out is the purpose. Are you with me? It comes in to go out. It doesn't just come in to keep filling you up. It comes in to go out and so that we can be engaged in the power and the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Do you want to be involved in the power and the purpose of the Holy Spirit? 
Here's what the writer, uh, he's gone out of my head. I can't remember his name. Uh, Stedman. Here's he go. He, he wrote this quote about, this is, a, this is a writer called Stedman, and he was a writer and a preacher and a pastor, and this is what he said in his presse of what was going on here in the book of Acts. Here's what he said. He said, that is God's program. The Holy Spirit doing the whole thing. He is energizing, he's guiding, he's directing, he's programming, and he's communicating life. He does it all. He does it all. It's not up to us to do anything except be available to be his instruments. Hallelujah. Just be available. It's not about ability. It's about availability. You'll have heard that one before. He goes on to say this, to go where he wills, to open our mouths, to be ready to take advantage of whatever situation he places us in. It is the job of the Holy Spirit, which, never fa- which he never fails to fulfill, to carry out that ministry. Hallelujah. That's it. He does it all. We just have to show up. That's all we've got to do. Show up. Be available. Say, Lord, use me in this situation. How simple a prayer is that? I don't know about you, but I've been praying that prayer for loads and loads of years. And do you know something that happens? Every time I pray it, the Lord presents me with a situation where I can be used for him. It'll be the same for you. Do you want to be used by the Lord? Would you stand with me for one second just before we finish? Would you, if you want to be used by the Lord, stand up. If you don't want to be used by the Lord, stay sitting. You're absolutely fine. Just raise your hands for a second. Let's pray. Let's pray a simple prayer. Lord, use me. On the count of three. One, two, three. Lord, use me. Lord, I pray my brothers and sisters will not regret praying that prayer. And the terms and conditions apply. Use them in Jesus' name. And God's people said? Terms and conditions apply. Hallelujah. Now when you look at these guys' lives and you see the courage... Oh, I'd love to have more courage. Anyone want more courage? I'd love to have more faith. I'd love to be braver. I'd love to have more dynamism. All of that was not from themselves. Jesus didn't go, I know, I'm going to pick Peter because he's going to have great courage. No, he didn't have great courage. He was a coward. He denied who Jesus was. He denied he even knew him. He wasn't a brave man. It was the effect of the power of the Holy Spirit at work in Peter that changed him. I would love to experience that. Now, here's the thing. Some of the, when you read these stories, you see that their lives are changed by explosion they're changed by earthquake it's like there's a sudden magnificent change in their lives or that you like actually as i have it in my notes it's like their lives are changed by an earthquake or their lives are changed by an explosion but very often our lives are changed not by an earthquake or by an explosion but by erosion Our lives are changed over a longer period of time than we would like. But the same process goes on. So um, big change over a short time or big change over a long time is still a big change. Amen? You get the same results. If you blow something up or you wear it out, you get the same results. It comes to the same conclusion. And sometimes when we look at our lives, I don't know about you, but I look at me, I go, Lord, am I changing at all? Sometimes I think, have I changed? Yeah, I know I'm a different guy and I know I've changed in this way. But Lord, I want to change more. I want to be more like you. I want to have more of your spirit. When we were kids, we used to play a game called Spot the Difference. Does anybody, anybody ever remember the game Spot the Difference? So like, it was like, like everyone has played this. And every child who's ever opened a 
cartoon book knows this is the game of spot the difference. And in the game of spot the difference, you're supposed to spot really minor differences between two pictures. The thing about it is that can be sometimes like our lives. We look at a photograph of ourselves once and we look at ourselves a few years later and other than this face getting a little bit more haggard and the hair going a bit more grey and the shoulders getting a bit more hunched, we don't necessarily see some amazing changes. But there are changes just like in this photograph. There are three changes. Here's one. There's a photograph on the notice board there. See that? That's one change. See the buckle on that? Oh, where's it gone to? The buckle on that girl's bag is gone. See that? And the other, see the plant up behind her head? That's disappeared in that photograph. I just wanted to point out the differences for what it's worth. The color of the apron. Is it the same as the color of the apron? Is it different? Oh, yes, you're right. It's kind of more purple than that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I didn't spot that, like. I don't have an eye for colors at all, you see. As you can tell. <laughs> These slight differences, but they are differences, and they do matter over time. So, brothers and sisters, let's not give up because we don't see amazing explosive changes in our lives. Let's keep going and let the Holy Spirit work in us so that he works deeply in our hearts and souls. And eventually, by that process of Holy Spirit erosion, the very shape of our lives themselves get changed. Would anyone say amen? C.S. Lewis was the greatest Irish writer. You can keep Heaney, you can keep W.B. Yeats, you can keep Shaw, you can keep Goldsmith, you can keep Smith, Swift. They were brilliant, fantastic. I love the Irish writers. But the best Irish writer was C.S. Lewis. Amen. You don't even have to say amen. I'm saying amen, all right? <laughs> he was the best Irish writer because he wrote about things that really matter. Here's what he wrote about this process. He says, both good and evil increase a compound interest in our lives, which is why the little decisions that you and I make each day, day to day, are of such importance. This is important. The smallest good act today is the capture of a strategic point from which a few months later you may go on to victories you never dreamed of. Just a small change, just a little victory, just a little good becomes bigger and bigger and bigger in their lives because it gets added to by another little bit of good and another little bit of good and another little bit of good and over time our lives change. You see, we see our lives in terms of short periods like days or weeks or months or even short periods like years but the Lord is looking at the whole span of our lives. Not only that, it, if you read the scriptures carefully you'll see that not only are we changed in this life we are also changed in the life to come as we grow in greater knowledge of who God is and what he's done the process of change is not just for this life only hallelujah thank you Lord we're not finished work yet would anyone say amen, amen. the book of Acts has often been referred to as the book of unfinished business unfinished business and the good news for you and the good news for me brothers and sisters is that we are also unfinished business God is not finished with any of us yet. Would anyone say amen? He's not finished with us so long as we say, Lord, use me and change me and move upon me. So long as we say that, the Lord is not finished with us yet. We are not yet finished business. The book of Acts ends with the story, as I said, of Paul in Rome, still preaching the gospel, and the story continues. Luke did not write at the end of it. The end. 
He didn't because the story continues and goes on to this day. And I want to tell you this, even in your life, right into eternity, there is no the end in your life. You are being changed as long as you say, Lord, I'm willing to be changed. I'm willing to be used. God will change you and God will use you. And when I say use you, I don't mean use you in the human sense, use and abuse, but I mean use you for his glory and for your good. Would anyone say amen? Paul writes these last two scriptures I'm going to throw up here. Maybe the band will come up. Uh, these two scriptures I love this here's a passage that I've read for years Uh, certainly when I was a young Christian I read it and kind of went I don't know I don't understand this it's from uh, 2nd Corinthians chapter 2 or chapter 5 verse 17 you'll know it well here's what Paul says he says if anyone is in Christ the new creation has come the old is gone the new is here would anyone say amen if anyone is in Christ the new creation has come we used to say he is a new creation but you see the thing is when I was a young Christian I kind of went I'm supposed to be a new creation why do I feel like the old creation all the time why do I end up doing the things that the old creation was doing how come I'm still mired in this because the right reading is the new creation has come you are already a new creation but you are being made more a new creation as time goes on just as the resurrection of Jesus um, signaled the new creation process beginning so when we come to know Jesus we become a new creation but we're not everything we're going to be yet would anyone say amen we're not everything we're going to be yet you are unfinished business I love it there's a, there, there's a preacher who refers to it actually it's a, it's a theological term called eschatological realism eschatological means eschaton speaking of the future realism speaks of reality so when he says the new creation has come you are in the process of becoming what you already are does that make sense to you when a male child is born and begins to grow up he's in the process of becoming a man but he's a man from the word go he's just in the process of becoming a man are you with me it's the same thing with the new creation we're in the process of becoming what we all ready are last verse for today maybe you'll stand with me as we read the last verse today and we're going to pray and we're going to worship God as we close our meeting this morning last verse for today said this is Paul writing to the Philippian church I take such hope in this because I return to this verse I've known it since I was a young Christian I can quote it in various different translations but here it is from Philippians chapter 1 here's what Paul writes you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard him until now I love this and I am certain I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. Hallelujah. The work that he begun in you is going to continue until he is finished. He's going to keep going in that work that he began in you because you are unfinished business. But in the meantime, you have business to do. Hallelujah. We're going to pray. Remember we prayed a while ago, Lord, use me. To be used, we need courage. We need strength. We need power. Do you need courage this morning? If you need courage, would you raise your hand? Do you need strength this morning? Would you raise your hand? Do you need faith this morning? Would you raise your hand? Do you need availability this morning? Would you raise your hand? We're going to pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we are your people. And we are called by your name. We are not called in our own right. We are called in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Lord, that nobody in this room this morning is a finished article. Would anyone say amen? 
Lord, you haven't cast anyone aside yet, Lord. In fact, you're only getting going in so many of our lives here today. Lord, in the week to come, would you give us courage to say what we need to say? Would anyone say amen? Would you give us strength to do what we need to do? Would you give us grace to live in the way that we need to live, Lord? And would you advance your kingdom in us, for us, and through us in this coming week? We pray in Jesus' mighty name and God's people said, Amen. Your unfinished business, brothers and sisters, for those of you who are here this morning and you need to go back and face a situation, can I ask you, would you close your eyes for a moment? Just could I ask everyone to close their eyes just for a moment? If you're here this morning and you know you must face a situation for which you need a particular grace and a particular portion of the Holy Spirit on you because you faced this situation before and come off worse of it, but you need to go back again and the Lord is speaking to you. If that's you, if that's you and you recognize that as you, would you raise your hand? I see your hands around the room. Goodness, I see lots of hands around the room. I'm going to pray for you just before we sing and we close. Lord Jesus Christ, I pray for my brothers and sisters that they would have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Would anyone say amen? I pray, Lord, that they would walk back into the situation that they must face, Lord, with the confidence of knowing that you are with them and that your power is on them. Lord, be in them and work through them, Lord Jesus. Let them have the experience of the Holy Spirit and the purpose of the Holy Spirit at work in their lives, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name and God's people said, Amen. We're going to sing the song, Marching On. And then we're going to close in prayer. Just going to sing a verse in the chorus and then we close in prayer. Hallelujah. Let our praises remind all the last time if you're willing just to raise your hands as we pray our hands are our hearts our hands are saying what's in our hearts let's pray Lord Jesus Christ the book of the Acts of the Apostles tells us about all that you began to do before you were taken up into heaven Lord and Paul says that he's confident that God who began the work in us will carry it on Lord as we go through our week this week Lord I pray that we would experience you continuing the work you began in us, for us, and through us, Lord. May we know your blessing 
may we know your peace. May we know your presence and your protection watching over us and all of our families. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. And God's people said the last time, amen. amen. Praise God. God bless you, brothers and sisters. Tea and coffee is being served in the Courtyard Cafe downstairs. We're back on again at 11.30. Don't forget Strength Recovery Tuesday and for Wednesday. God bless you and go with you. We'll see you next Sunday morning. Slow.